All right, all right, all right. How you guys doing? I don't know about you, but I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to be here. I'm grateful that we have church. Taylor gave a woe. It's, it's a word of encouragement before in our huddle. And she just reminded me, she, she put some fire under my bones that, hey, we like, we get to do this. We, we, we should be grateful that we even have a church. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful that I get to come to a church and like I know people in the room. You guys know my story. You guys know who I am. You know, you, you know like me, you know Sammy, you know Kelly. And like that's community. That's life. And let me tell you, it's sticky sometimes. Relationships are sticky, isn't it? Like really sticky, really messy at times. But I love that. Especially family. You can't just ostracize family, can you? I mean, some try to, but we're not going to do that here. <laughs> you guys are family to me, to me and Kelly. You guys mean the world more than you know, more than you know. And I just, like, I'm blown away every single week that we get to do this. And it doesn't matter who has a microphone. I just love to sit back and say, wow, God did this. God did it from a promise, though. God spoke this to me, by the way. So God speaks. That's proof in my life. And I don't know about you, but my encouragement for you is that if he gives you a promise, that you know that he's going to see it through. And I know this season gets crazy, and sometimes it could be incredibly painful. But tonight, I want to give you an encouragement. Sometimes when you come into the house of God, some of, some of us just need encouragement. Some of us come with a heavy head. There's stuff going on throughout the week. I'm not, uh, I, I can't escape that either just because I'm pastor. I go through stuff just as much as every person in this room does. I would argue maybe a little, like the warfare is a little bit more spiritually. <laughs> but here's the thing. When something's coming at you, that means God's getting ready to do something. I truly believe that. When there's war and there's opposition and there's arguments and stuff's going on, sometimes I try not to get all spiritual. But like, let's just be honest, we're spiritual beings. And I just want to encourage somebody in the room. That God is up to something in your life if you're going through something. I really do believe that. Yeah, Erica, come on. Hey, so, uh, like, I can't, like, I'm so excited about this message. This week, you know, we ended the, the DNA series, and James and I had a conversation last week. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was speaking on today. Until, like, Monday, like, Tuesday came around, and I was like, God, what? What are, we, what are we talking about? We don't have a series. We don't have something lined up. And I actually like that the most because that's when I need to dig the deepest. And it forces me to get into a space where I'm like, I, I need something because we don't have, like, anything in, in check. People were asking me, like, we need to know what songs to play for worship. Like, what's going And so I, 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 I was forced to think through everything that has been going on in this last season with COIN, with this community that we get to have. Brothers and sisters in this room that I get to call family. And I was thinking about 2019. Have you thought about it yet? 2019? We're like done. We got a couple more weeks, like really like, and then we're done with 2019 forever. Isn't it sad that time doesn't stop? It's not going to stop for you. So we're stepping into 2020, something crazy. I never thought like, like 2020 is like you start seeing back to the future and it talks about like 2020, 2023. 
And it's like, dang, like I remember being a little kid and like, wow, that's so far away. But like 20, we're here. And I don't know about you, but this is the first time in my adult life or life in general. I'm 26 years old. I'm really young. I get that. But there's a, it's the first time in my life where I was actually like in the, I mean, what, today's the 14th or the 15th. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh. Like 20, like the, the year is done. And so then I began to reflect on everything that's happened this, like this last year. I don't know if you've done that. I think it's really important to do it. Think about it. Think about the highs and the lows. Think about the things that God has brought you out of. And focus on the positive, not the negative. The negative is always going to be there. Let's be honest. There's stuff that are, is out of our control, but here's the beautiful thing. You can control you. You can control how you react to things when they come against you, right? And there was this thought that I had. And I knew it was God because he just dropped into my head because I was, like, praying hard, like, we, I got to know what we're talking about. Like, what are we doing, God? What are we talking about? What do the people need to hear? And I couldn't shake this word attitude out of my mind. Attitude. You guys heard that word, obviously? This is what the definition of attitude is. Uh, I think we have it on the screen. There it is. I literally pulled it up. I asked Google, what is the definition of attitude? And this is what I got. And I'll read it to you. Because actually God was speaking to me. Posture, 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 posture. And so I, I, this, is the, this is important. A settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. Synonyms is point of view, a view, a viewpoint, vantage point, or frame of mind. This one stuck to me most. A position of the body proper to or implying an action or mental state. And this is what I've been thinking about is posture. Posture. Have you guys thought about that? Your attitude is really your posture. I would argue that I can tell what your attitude is by just the way you hold yourself, by the posture to which you live your life. You know, it's interesting if we talk about sports. I love sports, I love basketball. When I'm playing on the court, and sometimes, you know, it's me, Nelson, Will's in there, uh, James and Brendan, I'm not the best three-point shooter. I'm not. I admit that. I'm working on it. But when I know the, def the defense slacks off because they know I've been missing a lot, they're going to slack off. You better believe when I'm ready at the three-point line, I have a certain posture so that when James throws me the ball, or Nelson, sometimes he, a lot of times he doesn't because he doesn't trust me. But when James throws the ball or Brendan throws the ball, I'm ready to shoot. I got my posture. I got my stance. When you're in football, I have never played football. We played flag football. I played tackle football. I've never played it, like, actually with a team and a ref and everything. But the linemen are protecting the quarterback, right? There's a particular posture that one has to take in order to defend opposition. There's a stance, I would argue, in your attitude. And here's the thing. I truly believe that it allows you to experience the richness and the beauty and the wonder of God when you're positioned for posture in the right attitude. Because here's the thing. You can know God, know the scriptures. You can know the Bible like the back of your hand. You can quote John 3, 16. But if you don't have the right posture, it's going to be really hard for you to enjoy life. In fact, I'll go as far to say, and I'll prove it in the scriptures God actually moves off the right posture. He speaks to your life. He does things in your life with the right 
posture, with the right perspective, and really the right attitude. I don't know about you, but I've thought about 2019, and one of the things that I've been thinking about over and over again is the brokenness. Have you sensed it? The loss, the tragedy, the evil that seems to be louder than good. And I've thought about it and how I can even get in a, in a set mindset. I can, I can position my mind if I sit and dwell on the things that are negative and that are not life-giving. It changes my posture. Because then I begin to think about the doom. And then I think about the gloom. And then I think about how they said that and he said that. And they're thinking of being like that. And they said this about Kelly. And, and then, you know, they might think a coin like this. And I'm not reading the scriptures enough. And, like, and then, like, I, I get in my head and my posture changes. Because I'm allowing outside sources, outside voices to speak negative into my mind. Sometimes I even let myself do it. You are your worst critic, by the way. Amen. Amen, Grandma Liz. So what's your posture? What has been your posture in 2019? What's been your attitude? You know, uh, <laughs> this is going to offend people, but I don't care. The great theologian, uh, a new and up-and-coming worship leader by the name of Kanye West has a song. And I love, by the way, I love poetry. I love words. I think words speak to the depths of a soul. Words can change an atmosphere. And I would even argue music does that more than anything. I can be in a room in 2019 and listen to a song, and it takes me back to 2007 when I was in junior high, into that space, that brokenness because of that one song. I could be in a room or in my car, and that one song comes on that I probably shouldn't be listening to because I'm like, I want to, like, I'm called to more. I shouldn't be listening to that stuff. But that song will come on in the gym, and I'm like, oh, okay. I like no, don't listen to that, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not healthy, Sam. But it's like, it takes me to that place and it, it changes my posture. So the, here's, the, here's the, I'm gonna butcher it, but I, I, gotta, I gotta sing it for you. I'm not gonna sing it, sing it. But it's amazing because this is, this is why I love poetry and this is why I love, I love writing. And I always get upset when people are like critics of music when they don't understand like the meat and the depth of what the song is trying to say. Songs are trying to say something, by the way. So Kanye writes this verse. He says, catch my, catch my, catch, no, switch my. Switch my, switch my attitude. I'm so, I'm so radical. What if Eve made apple juice? Right? And then it says, because it, it goes on, um, something about Adam Yes, something about baby, put that back on a tree, okay? Switch my, switch my attitude. I'm so, I'm so radical. What if Eve made apple juice, right? And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, wait a second. He's, he's talking about attitude, and then he says the title of the song is We Have Everything We Need. And what he was saying, here's what he was saying. This is what the, the, the whoever's upset with Kanye West, I'm sorry. He's speaking theology. He says, Eve. At, like, if Adam would have just told Eve, Eve, we got everything we need. Put it back on the tree. Let's make apple juice out of it. We have everything we need. We don't need what the world says we need. You don't need what that other person says you need. You just need God. 
You don't need that other perspective in life. You just need to know the source of life. You have everything you need. And it's a posture. It's an attitude. And, and like when, when I was listening to that, I was like, oh, I do have everything I need. I do. You start looking at life on the bright side, right? It's that perspective of the glass half full or half empty. And it's like, well, you just have a glass. You have life. You have breath in your lungs. You've got everything you need. And I would argue everything that God has designed, designed you to do in regards to your future, in regards to your goals, if he's given you a promise, he's already designed you to do it. You have everything you need. When Moses, I don't know if you've heard of the man, a man named Moses. We're going to talk about him now. He was a leader of leaders. Over 2.5, sometimes 3 million people, Israelites, Hebrews. That's a lot of people. Before he went to do what God told him to do and the promise he was going to give him to, to take his people, take the Hebrews out of enslavement, out of Egypt, he said, God said, I want you to go and I want you to speak. And God's like, I, Moses is like, I don't, I don't like, I stutter. He's like, that's okay, you got a brother. Aaron, he can speak for you. You got everything you need. He's like, no, but you don't understand. Like, and he's holding the staff. He's like, you know, God, like they have like their, 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 their Egyptians and like their sorcerers. And God's like, what do you have in your hand? You got a staff. You got everything you need. Throw it down. I'll do what I need to do with what you already have. And so there's this story about these 12 spies Here's the thing, I love this room so much because I know that a lot of you don't know this story and so it's uh, like I can just set the bar straight. You don't, you don't have any preconceived like, thoughts on it. I know some of you already know this story of the 12 spies but I'm gonna, I'm gonna set the bar straight on the perspective of attitude. Moses, he has this dream. He runs away because he kills somebody, by the way. Moses, did you know Moses killed somebody out of anger? He kills someone. He kills uh, the, a person that's persecuting his own per people. Moses grew up. He had a very big dilemma. Talk about someone that, that has an identity crisis. He was a Hebrew born, born in the Egyptian rule, born under Egyptians, actually in Pharaoh's house. He was born in it. All his life, he thought he was a, an Egyptian until he was told when he was older, you're actually a Hebrew. And so he has this dilemma. He doesn't know what to do, and so he sees all of his people the Hebrews getting abused, neglected, and taking advantage of. And the scripture says there were so many Hebrews, a lot of Hebrews, millions upon millions, and Pharaoh just had them do whatever they, he wanted to do. They were enslaved. And so Moses, he kills somebody, and he's so afraid because of the blood on his hands, he runs away. And oftentimes, he comes and looks at Egypt. Ah, oh, he's checking it out. Man, God gave me a promise, and I just don't know when it's going to be fulfilled. But he would go, and he would look from the wilderness into Egypt. And that's when there's this burning bush. And the burning bush talks to, to, to Moses, and he says, I am, who, I am who I am. I am God, and I'm calling you to do something. Here's the promise. I'm going to take my people out of Egypt into the promised land. Moses is like, all right, let's do it. So fast forward, we all kind of know this story, right? There's like this parting of the sea, crazy. Millions of people cross it. After all these plagues, Pharaoh's like, just get out of here. Crosses over. I, I looked it up. It's about 2.5 million people that crossed over. 
Moses gets on the other side. Imagine being there, by the way. I love when I was a little kid, I used to think, what if there was like whales in there and fish? I'm sure they could see that stuff. So they get to the other side, and then they have like this stuff, and there's these, Moses puts some rules in there and regulations, and there's all these people he has to kind of lead, and then he, he's told by God, all right, I want you to go and to look at this land. And this is where we find ourselves in Scripture. It says in Numbers 13, it says, the Lord said to Moses, I think we're going to have it up here. Numbers 13, it says, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. And I bolded, it might not be bolded there, but it says, which I am giving to the Israelites. Do you read that? God says, hey, Moses, send some men, and I'm giving this land to the Israelites. That's a promise, by the way. You guys catch that? From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So there's leaders involved now. There was 12 different tribes. God tells Moses, find the leaders of leaders of leaders of 2.5 million people. There's 12 different tribes. Find one person that kind of owns up to that tribe, the leader of leader, and I want you to bring them forth because there's a task I have them to do. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of them were leaders of the Israelites. Skip ahead to verse 26. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron, the two leaders. And the whole Israelite community at Kadesh, by the way, this is a lot of like foreign like words, so I'm sorry to like the theologians if I say this wrong. In the desert at Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. That was the promise. That was the promise. Even when Moses was in Egypt and he was telling the people, there's a place God has promised us and it's filled with milk and honey. It's got riches. It's got good food. The food's good. Everything's just amazing. Like this place, Egypt, is not as good as the place God's calling us to. We went into the land to which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. Here here is its fruit. Have some, take some, Moses. Like eat it up. Check it out. Verse 28 says, but... Here's the problem with a wrong attitude. Do you, I do this, I'll just say me. There's times where there's like such good reports and it's like, man, this was so amazing. And like, Kelly, you're not gonna believe this happened. And there's just this one word that like distorts everything and it's that word but, right? Especially in regards to God. Man, I had a a really bad knee thing. I was talking to to a buddy today, and and I I thought I, like, tore my ACL, and the doctors kind of said I did. And then my mom, because she's a woman of faith, I love that, she's like, I don't think you're going to need surgery. I'm like, Mom, you don't get it. Like, it's it's a torn ACL. I don't think you're going to need surgery. Right? There's a particular attitude and a posture to receive the things that God wants to do in your life. We talk about it. The words you speak mean something. They have weight. And so now I actually, I haven't got surgery. I haven't had surgery. And I play basketball all the time. I don't like, there's a, a thing called the sh- like a, a drawer when your ACL is completely torn and it doesn't do that. Nelson and James can attest, I play basketball just like I did before. But I could be like, but you don't, you know, still kind of, still kind of hurts. You get, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an attitude. It's like, no, God Regardless if I'm healed or not, I believe I'm healed. I believe that God can do miraculous work in my life. The doctors say I need surgery, but God has the final say. So I'm okay. I don't need to put a butt in there. Does that make sense? 
So it says, but the people who live there are so powerful. And the cities are fortified and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak, which were giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. He said, hey, everybody be quiet. Just, shh, just listen. He was one of the 12. He said, we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. In this particular story, there were 12. It's actually, there, there, was, there was two that said they could do it. But right here, it, it doesn't talk about Joshua. Caleb's the only one out of 12 people. Imagine, go there with me. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that want to hear about going, them going to Canaan. So what happens? What's going on? Like, Moses sent you to get all of this information. What are we going to do? Because we're kind of like sitting and standing in the wilderness. We're over it. We'd rather go back with Egypt with Pharaoh because there was a lot better comfort there. We actually had food to eat there. But here, Moses, like, we're over it. And so the, the scripture says that they got together and there was 12 of them, 10 of to which said, they're too big. They're scary. They're terrifying. And one of them said, no, we could do it. We can certainly do it. We can go take possession of the land. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that type of person that's always so negative about what God can do. Here's the thing. They were promised the land. Did you read that? I made sure we said it. In verse 2, send some men to explore the land, Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So all of them heard that from Moses. Why wouldn't you believe that God's going to do something crazy when he just split the sea? When you just saw all these different plagues and all these crazy things happening and blood coming out of the water and it's like craziness. Why would you doubt God? Well, I would argue it's an attitude. I don't know about you, but when 2020 comes, because it's coming, I'm changing my attitude. I'm so over being negative I'm so over saying I can't do something when I know I can do it because God said I can do it and God gave me the promise before I even stepped into it. I'm so over saying it can't happen. I'm so over thinking small. And I want to encourage you because this is for me. I should be sitting down yelling at myself. This is for me for 2020. And I, I dare someone to step in and say, I want this for me too. I'm changing my attitude. I'm so over thinking small and thinking negative. I'm so over the haters. I'm so over it. I have everything I need. I'm changing my attitude. I really am. So here's the thing. In verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man... I have a lot of scripture to read. I'm so sorry, but like, I don't apologize. This is really important. Okay? Are you cool with that? So I'm just going to read now. It's story time. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than us, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. The leaders did this. The leaders did this, that, that were supposed to be on Moses' team. One said, no, nah, we can do it. The other 10 said, we can't do it, and they spread a bad report. Isn't it interesting that negative words move faster than positive words? We should take the land, 
Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land and they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. They're huge. They're giants. We saw the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers. Check this out. How sad. This is really pitiful. The Israelites, the Hebrews, the ones that their God, Jehovah Jireh, was on their team. That's their God. Yet they're saying, Moses, you don't get it. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Check your attitude. <laughs> Check your posture. That's a really sour, negative, I'm not going to make it, it's not going to happen type of posture. And it says, and we looked the same to them. If you go on to chapter 14, I'm just going to keep going. It says, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud because they heard the bad report. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let it fail, fall by the sword? Our wives and children would be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Moses is crazy. Let's rebel bad attitude. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly, gathered there. Joshua, there's the other guy, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. They were broken with their leader. They believed that they could take possession of the land. The 10 didn't, and now it's spread over millions of people. Negative, 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 a bad attitude, a bad attitude, a bad attitude. And it spread like fire. And the scripture says that Joshua, Aaron, they, they, Moses, they, they, they tore their clothes because they were so broken over what was happening. Then Moses and Aaron, they fell down. Joshua, son of Nun, they fell down. It says the land we, put, we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. In verse 8, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against us, Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Here's the right attitude. The Lord is with us. We got the protection. We got the right attitude. Do not be afraid of them. If you skip some verses, what happens is God wants to destroy all the people. I'm just being real. God's trying to create something. And all of the people think, could you just go there with me? I don't know if you believe this stuff. I do. Let's just talk about the sea parting. Like, if you're there, wouldn't you believe that God is real? Like, regardless if you believe it or not, let's just say you do believe it. Wouldn't you believe if you were there? Dude, that God that Moses is, like, following, like, I'm following that God. Like, we were slaves. Now we're free. And I just saw water split. That's ridiculous. Now they're complaining, saying, we can't go. We're like grasshoppers to them. God was so upset with their lack of faith, hear me loud and clear, he was upset with their attitude. And something really sad happens. I'm just going to stop reading because I'm pretty much done. I'll just paraphrase from now. But you go and read it on your own. What happens is there is only two people. Check this out. I did my research. 
there's a, there's, there was, only, I think, believe three generations because God was so upset that they didn't believe. Ten of them didn't believe. They spread it. God was so upset. He said, the 25 and up-year-olds are eventually all going to die off. That generation, I'm done with them. They just don't have faith. And Moses pleaded with them, please don't kill them all at once, God. Like, the Egyptians would believe that you're just a harsh God and we're not going to make it. So, so Moses pleads with God, please just, and, and God's like, okay, fine. I'll spare them. But just know, this generation is not going into the promised land. They didn't have the faith and they didn't have the right attitude. 2.5 million people and only two of them were in the promised land because of their attitude. Look it up. The only two people that made it into the promised land, into Israel, as we speak, established in 1948, right now, were two people from that original time with Moses. And it was Joshua and it was Caleb because they believed. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the 2% out of 2 million that believe if God said that we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Everyone else can say it's not going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen. I just believe God that much. And there's, there's people in this room. I know a business owner right now, right in this room, Brandon. There are people in this room that have dreams of starting a business, and I just want to encourage you with something. If God told you to do it, then do it. But when it comes crazy and there's grasshoppers, we seem like grasshoppers and there's giants in the land and the competition doesn't make sense. When God said he's going to do it, you just have to believe he's going to do it. You have to change your attitude and encourage yourself in the Lord sometimes. This just blows my mind. I, I, just, I love this so much. So the first point, I'm almost done by the way. The first point is attitude like posture. The second point, if you're taking notes, for those that like taking notes, is attitude like a dog. Attitude like a dog. Did you know Caleb in Hebrew means dog? Dog. What is a dog? I have a little dog. She's so loyal. Man, she's, a, she's like, she's loyal. I had a dog when I was growing up. She was very loyal to my father. And if you gave that dog a bone and you went to go try to take that bone, it wasn't your bone. There's, there's something about a dog that's ferocious, right? There's something about a dog that has so much boldness and bravery that nothing is going to take anything from them, especially if their master gave it to them. And, he, and Caleb literally means dog. And I don't know, I just wanted to say this, I just think this is funny, but we need to step up and have some dog faith in this room. <laughs> Caleb knew what God told him, and he was a dog about it. I want to be the type of person, it is not normal to have that much enthusiasm about God. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. You look like a freak. You're a Jesus person. You're a Bible person. I don't care because when all hell breaks loose, you're going to probably come and talk to me. Because I truly believe that when the enemy comes and when the storm comes and the brokenness comes, because it will, we talk about this, you have to believe that there's something more to life. You have to believe that there is hope beyond reason. You have to believe that logic doesn't make sense. And by the way, I don't care about fact anymore. I just care about what God says. So if I could just be honest, God told Kelly and I to come to Chino. It didn't make sense. We come here, this doesn't make sense. We want to do another service, that doesn't make sense. I don't care. God said to do it, we're going to do it. And if it doesn't work... He's going he's gonna to do it because he said we're going to do it. It's going to happen. It just might not work the way we thought it does. That's how it goes. 
I want to have dog-like faith for 2020. Don't you? That's, it's not normal. I want to read this passage of scripture because this just it just paints it beautifully. In Joshua 14, this is after, because 40 years go by. He says, that, do you realize that's why they were in the land for 40 years? Because of their doubt? For 40 years, because of 10 people, two people believed 40 years. All of them had to die of that first generation. I could imagine Caleb, a dog. All right, let's bury him. Okay, What's ne- who's, next? who's next to die on the list? Because God said when they all die, we're going to the promised land. So, like, let's, let's bury them. Do you, have you ever had someone in your life that's like that, just on edge? The only person I can think, I'll be honest, is Gabby. She's just, like, on edge. If you talk with her, she's like, whoa, let's go. Let's, okay, let's, God, is that good? All right. And it's just this dog attitude that nothing and no one will get in the way. Okay, the person died. Let's bury them. Let's move on. God said that when all of them pass, we can get into the promised land. And this is what happens. When they cross over, Joshua, who is now the leader, they cross over to the Jordan. They do the Jericho dance, right? We'll talk about it another time. You might not know the story. And that, that with this crazy thing happens. And they're in the promised land now after 40 years. Caleb was 40 when it happens. It's documented in scripture. He's close to 85 years old now, Caleb. And this is what happens in the scripture. It says Joshua uh, chapter 14, it says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh. <clears throat> the Kenesites said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, the land of Canaan. I brought back a report according to my convictions. This was 40 years after. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I had dog faith. So on that day, Moses swore to me, Joshua, he swore to me. No, 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 you don't get it. He swore to me, Joshua. He said, the land which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. That's the promise God gave through Moses to Caleb. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to this Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Are there any 85-year-olds in the room? (laughs) I love that. By the way, side note, I know this doesn't make sense. I tell Kelly all the time. I love old age, personally. I love the fact that we are getting older because there's wisdom in old age. There's life in old age. I love that, by the way. I love the gray hairs. I've talked about this. He's 85 years old. There's no excuse to the older generation. There is absolutely no excuse. This is what happens. He says, So here I am, 85 years old. I am still as strong today. I have dog faith. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. You thought the Bible was boring? Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, the giants, were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, the Lord with me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb. He gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb 
because he followed the Lord ever since. The God of Israel wholeheartedly, and there's a little side note just for us to know. Hebron used to be called Kiriath, who was the greatest man among the Anakites, but he was no more. Caleb destroyed him as an 85-year-old man because he had dog faith. Hey, worship team, you guys can come on up. I wonder how many people in this room have faith like a dog. There's loyalty. There's passion. There's a rigorous, wholehearted spirit to them. And it doesn't matter the age. Here's my last point and we're done. Attitude of formation. I'm going to obey God with deep reverence. Here, here are just some proclamations and we're done. I'm going to obey God with deep reverence. The scripture says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God, I'm changing my attitude. I don't know about you. I'm going to obey God in 2020. I'm going to obey God with deep reverence. The scripture says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So ask God, what do you want from me? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to say? I will obey you. Even if it doesn't make sense, I just hear you're good. So show me you're good. You know, the scripture says that God says, prove me in this. And that's on tithing and giving, by the way, but it's, it's still true. God says, prove me in this. Check to see that I won't show up for you. But give me your life, give me your heart, and I will move in you. Get some dog-like faith in you. Let me see your attitude. Change your posture. Because the promises that God wants you to have, he will not give it to you. I can promise you this. It just showed us in the scriptures. He won't give it to you unless you have the right posture. It's an attitude. It's a character. I'm changing my attitude. I'm not allowing myself to get comfortable. I'm not going in neutral in 2020. I'm going to fight for change, fight for more, fight for righteousness. I'm going to fight for a different mindset, a healthy mindset. I'm going to fight for new ideas, fight for new perspectives. I'm not getting comfortable. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to speak faith, not doubt. Scripture says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm changing my attitude. I'm going to exercise faith in the midst of great doubt and uncertainty. No, I'm not going to fail this class. Are there any people in school right now? You're not going to fail that class. You're going to pass it. Yes, we are. <laughs> You're going to do good in that dance recital, right? I'm going to pass. No, I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. No, I'm not going to listen to the doctor's report. God has the final say. Even if it doesn't make sense, I'm still going to praise God. I'm changing my attitude. I'm choosing to stay humble and oppose pride. But not false humility, by the way. I don't have time to. I'm giving God my first. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Maddie just prayed this over us. Honor the Lord with your wealth and give with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns, then your barns, then your barns. You see the promise? Honor God with your finances. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. I'm not like that deep in theology to explain it, to be able to express it to you. But there's something about saying, God, I don't have much, but you can have it. 
You said to give me 10%, I'm just going to obey you. I'm changing my attitude. You want 10%? Here you go. It's really hard. Me and Kelly want to go out and get in and out burgers all the time. But we made, we did it. We looked at the budget. 10% goes to you first, God. Now, you said you're going to do something. Let's, let's do it. I'm changing my attitude. It's yours, God. My first of my paycheck goes to you, God. My first of my week, starting on Sunday, goes to you, God. My first of my joy, my first of my worries, God gets my first. So if you're writing notes, here are the three points and we're done. Attitude like posture. I'm anticipating ready. Attitude like a dog. I'm staying loyal and I'm not backing down. Attitude of formation. I'm not just saying it, I'm doing it. So is there anyone in the house? Are you ready for 2020? I don't know about you, but I am. I'm ready for 2020. I don't care what comes my way. I'm changing my attitude. I don't care who says I can't do it. If God said I can do it, I can do it. And I don't know about you, but if you're in this room and you just, you, your posture's low and it's broken, this is the type of community to get into. There's a passage in scripture where Moses, his arms are weak. God said, as long as your arms are up, Moses, the battle is going to be won. So then there was two people. There was, there was a Nelson and a James that said, Moses, your arms are down. We're losing. And, he, and they grabbed the arms of the leader. I don't know about you, but you might be going through something and the battle seems to be losing. The community and the church will lift your arms so that you can see the battle and you can see the victory. There's something about community. I'm changing my attitude. I don't know about you. I'm changing it. I'm changing it. 2020 is going to be the best year yet. I believe that. We're going to see more miracles. We're going to see more people come to know beauty instead of brokenness. We're going to see more people that don't have a home, that don't have a tribe, that don't have a people they belong to find belonging in a beautiful way. And for every person in this room that has stuff that you're going through, give it to God. That's why we worship. When I'm worshiping, I'm praying in my head, God, it's yours. All I want is you, but you can have it, Lord. What's, what's going on in my heart? That you, God, speak to me about this issue. God, give me an answer for this problem. God, help me in my finances. God, help me with this doctor's report. God, help me with this brokenness. Give me hope in the midst of despair. God, help me. Pray to him in a way that's real. And I promise you, he loves to show up and show off. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray over your 2020. And if you believe it, and you're more Pentecostal than others, and you just believe in being charismatic and who you don't care what people think, if you're with me, raise your hands if you just want to receive it. There's a posture, there's a certain posture of raising your hands. Right? You're vulnerable when you raise your hands. It's incredibly vulnerable. I just want to pray. Father, I pray for every person in this room, God. You know exactly what they're going through. You know everything they're going through. God, I speak life and not doubt in their heart, Father. I speak, God, that they would be the head and not the tail, that they would be a leader and not a follower. God, I pray that you would give them insight into this next year. Give them discernment, Father, who they need to 
slowly remove in a healthy way, in a loving way, God, show them who they need to remove in their lives so that they can have more unity and peace with you, God. Show them the things, God, that you wanna speak and change in their life, the formation, the change, the call to more, whatever it is, God. I pray that more of us would receive your Holy Spirit. More of us would step into prophecy and healings and signs and wonders. I pray for more in abundance in this room, God. Move in us, Jesus. We are waiting and anticipating. We got faith like a dog and nothing's getting in our way, Jesus. If you say to do it, we're gonna do it. Father, we're changing our attitude. You can have it all. All I need is you. We have everything we need in you, Jesus. In your name we pray.